love in Jesus name amen I love the Lord with all my heart thank you elder for encouraging us I love the Lord with all my heart I don't know about you those of you who also love the Lord with all your heart can you also say I love the Lord with all my heart with all my soul and with all my strength. So it means everything about me, it's about him. And when we were singing and we said, I lay my, we lay our crowns before him and worship him, we are saying he only is on the throne. We might be coming here wearing different crowns, but we've got to lay down our crowns. If we want to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, we've got to know that he alone deserves all the praise and the glory and the honor. And we also said, when I remember what the Lord has done, I will never go back. Unlike the children of Israel who kept on saying, we wish we could go back. We wish we could go back. It was better in Egypt. But I want to tell you, it's not better in Egypt. People are suffering. And the Israelites knew that even when they were in Egypt, they were suffering. But you will find a Christian saying, I think it's better out there if I go back to the world. This world is a cruel world, so it's not better there. I think what we just need to understand is the treasure that we have received when we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Sometimes you don't realize what happened to you when you accepted Jesus. That's why sometimes you may take your Christianity very casually. Unless if you have not as yet accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, then you won't know what treasure you are missing. So I want us today to start from the book of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 to 23. I will do it in the message translation because Paul here was praying for the believers. He was telling the believers in Ephesus, that I pray for you, but beside praying for you, I also thank God for you. And then he started showing them the great riches that they have by being in Christ, which we sometimes are not always aware of. So look at it with me. Let's read it. It says, but I do more than thank. I ask, ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. You see that first part? Intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. We're talking about a personal experience with the Lord, personal encounter with the Lord. He says your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what he is calling you to do. So there is a mission that we are called for. He says... Grasp the immensity of his glorious way of life he has for his followers. So there is a glorious way of life for us. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heavens. In charge of running the universe. You see, the Bible says Jesus is in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments. No name and no power exempt from his rule. So it means every name, every knee should bow to the name of Jesus. It means as a child of God, you can command your situations to obey the name of the Lord. Because it says no name, no power is exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything. I like it when God has a final word on everything. Because even if my chapter today is not what I desire it to be, but I know that the ending will be better. Because if God has a final word in everything, it means it doesn't matter what the devil does along the way. My God will always have a final say. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. 
The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts. You see how much God values the church? The Bible says the church is Christ's body. We are Christ's body. And through us he speaks. Through us he acts. By which he fills everything with his presence. So I want you, as you're thinking about that, this is so deep that sometimes as a Christian you might miss the treasure that you have. So that's why we're talking about the cost of following Jesus. But you need to know the treasure that you have that you will say, I cannot tr trade this treasure for anything else. Amen? Because I found something precious. I found something valuable. So let's go to Matthew chapter 13, 44 to 46, New King James Version. And I want you just to see that the treasure that we have received, the treasure that is there, it's so precious that Jesus gives an example of this man who even went and sold everything he has for the sake of that treasure. If you were asked today, are you willing to give up everything you have for the sake of this treasure? Do you really know what treasure you have? Do you really know what the kingdom of God means? Do you know what benefits are there that you can't then want to lose them for anything? Matthew 13, 44 to 46, New King James Version, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So it means this man has really noticed how much worth is this treasure of the kingdom. Because he goes and sells all that he has to buy the field so that he can get the treasure. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of a great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Are you getting that? And if you look at our lives as Christians, God is not even asking us to sell everything we have. But you can see here it says, for these ones, to them it was so precious that they were prepared to part ways with anything else for the sake of getting this treasure. Now, let me make it simple for you in this way. Let me say I take money as a treasure. I'll take that one because that's the simplest treasure that people understand. Let's say I've got, what, 70 million rands? Or let's talk it in dollars. Whichever way that you mention them and you think, that's a lot of money. If I can get that, I think everything is sorted with me. Really? Remember the guy we read about last week here who said, now I will even make more bands to, put, to store all my wealth. And I'll sit back and relax and say, you've worked so hard, now it's time to enjoy. And then Jesus said, that very night, that man was said, you are foolish because today your soul will be demanded from you. So which therefore means, actually, money may sound like it's a very big treasure. Do you know even when you have problems at home and you are fighting between husband and wife, even if you have a lot of money, the money doesn't solve the problem. If you are fighting with your parents, the money doesn't solve the problem. If you're terminally sick, the money doesn't solve the problem. If you get somebody in ICU now who is maybe in coma, you might tell them, you have just 100 million rands. Do they get excited? No. So it means some of the things that we treasure so much, they are limited treasures. The real treasure is the kingdom of God which encompasses everything. It doesn't exclude money. But it's not about money. Okay? It's about, that's why that word salvation, we usually just use it in short to mean when you are saved, you are a Christian now, you will go to heaven. But that word salvation, it's an all-encompassing word. In Greek, that word would mean deliverance, soundness or sound mind, health, prosperity. Everything is encompassed in this salvation. So I rather have that more than things. Because if I have God, if I have the kingdom of God, I always have ways to get things. 
The problem with chasing after things is that when you lose that thing and you don't know the source, it's difficult to get another one. But if you stick with the source, it doesn't matter what I lose. I've got the source. The source will always restore it. Amen. That's why go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 6, verse 32 to 33 in the New King James Version. It says, for after all these things the Gentiles seek for. In other words, the, all the things that we need in life. It says people of the world are looking for those things. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. So it doesn't say because people of the world are looking for those things, you don't need them. He says God knows that you need them. But what must you do? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added to you. So it means the way we do it in the kingdom, we seek God first, we seek the source first, then we will have everything. So if I find the kingdom of God, then I've got a treasure that I'm not willing to trade it with anything else. Actually, let's go to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28. Because I just want to see, to show you that when you have the blessing of God, the blessing of the Lord is all encompassing. Okay? I told you that in this worldly terms, people think money is the thing. There are a lot of people with a lot of money. Some of them actually are on drugs with money and they overdose themselves to death. Which means, all these things that we sometimes value as treasures, they are not really the real treasure. Amen? But if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then even when you have the money, even when you have this, even when you have that, even when you have family, now those things become a blessing because you know who the source is. Now you realize I can't part ways with the source. So look at this in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1 and 2 in the New King James Version, and then we'll do it in the TLB from 2 to 14. Because I want you to see that the blessing of the Lord is all-encompassing. Amen? In the world, usually, somebody may be able to do something, one thing. Okay? Let's take a simple example. If we talk in the world, when, in worldly terms, when somebody needs protection, they would think maybe of soldiers and police and guards and whatever thing. But those people, if you are sick, do they help? Hmm? Do they help? No. Which means all the natural means that we have, they are limited. The only thing that is not limited is God and his kingdom. So I want to stick rather with this that encompasses everything. So that's why it says in Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2 in the New King James Version, it says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations. Verse 2. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now, I want to show you something that was very interesting for me as I was going through down these verses. The only thing that is required of me is to obey the, the Lord my God and love him with all my heart. When I do that, the Lord will command blessings upon me in a way that the blessings will come on me and even overtake me. And listen at these blessings in TLB in, in, in from verse 2 to 14. I, I looked at this and I thought, I can't trade this for anything else. Because all the other things that are competing with God's attention, that want me to trade my Christianity, that want to tr me to trade the kingdom, they can't give me all things. Amen. So look at it. In Deuteronomy 28, 2 to 14 in the TLB, it says, These are the blessings that will come upon you. Blessings in the city. Blessings in the field. Many children. Ample crops. Large flocks and herds. Blessings of fruit and bread. Blessings when you come in. Blessings when you go out. 
The Lord will defeat your enemies before you. You see, he talks about blessings, blessing, blessing, even the Lord fighting for you. Uh, Blessings even in what is in your house. Blessing. The Lord will defeat your enemies before you. They will march out against you, together against you, but scatter before you in seven different directions. The Lord will bless you with good crops and healthy cattle. So he even blesses your, your pets and your, your, your cattle and everything. And prosper everything you do when you arrive in the land that your God is giving you. He will change you into a holy people dedicated to himself. This he has promised to do if you will only obey him and walk in his ways. Only thing for me that's required for me is to seek first the kingdom and all the other things God will sort them out. All nations in the world will see that you belong to the Lord and they will stand in awe of you. The Lord will give you an abundance of good things in the land just as he promised many children, many cattle and abundant crops. He will open to you his wonderful treasure of rain in the heavens to give you fine crops every season. He will bless everything you do, and you shall lend to many nations, but shall not borrow from them. If you will only listen and obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, he will make you the head and not the tail, and you shall always have the upper hand. But each of these blessings depends on your, on your not turning aside in any way from the laws I've given you, and you must never worship other gods. Did you get that? So he says all these things, all these blessings, all encompassing blessings. Because when I think about the kingdom, personally I think I'm sorted. Because I've got everything. Amen? I've got good health. If I get sick, I get healed. Prosperity. Successful in the land. Peace, peace at home and peace with other people. Joy, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Even when there's turmoil all around me, I still have that peace. I still have that inner peace and the joy of the Lord. So now, this is so precious. I don't want to trade it for anything else. Last week, I just indicated to you that some of the people sometimes, they don't acknowledge what they have when they accepted Jesus. You see, the kingdom of God is so precious that you were supposed to be willing to part ways with anything else for the sake of the kingdom. Look at this with me in the book of Mark chapter 10. Verse 17 to 24, New King James Version. And this one I'm giving it to you because I'm not saying, I don't think Jesus is expecting you to do this that he told this man here. But if your heart is attached to things, he will tell you this. Okay? Because God doesn't want you half-hearted. The elder said God is not desperate for your offerings. So it's not like God will say, it's fine, you can still just come and that. If you are not fully committed, if you're not fully bringing yourself, he wants the whole of you. He wants all of you. Now, he realized that I'm going to read you a story here of a rich young ruler. This guy was rich in the worldly terms. He was well to do. Okay? But look at how Jesus addresses him. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So he wanted the kingdom. So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. You see? He says, no, I'm a good guy. I've done all these things. What do I still lack? Then Jesus, looking at him, did what? Loved him and said to him. So the statement that's going to follow here, it's out of love. (laughs) Okay? 
So he looked at him and loved him. To say, this guy, he's doing all the command, everything. Really, this guy is very close to the kingdom. But there is something that is still holding his heart. And let's give him the test. One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. Imagine if this statement was told you. Usually when we accept Jesus, he doesn't tell us to do that, isn't it? He trusts that even with the things you have, you will still serve him. But if the things you have are starting to be your master, then he should say this. Because it means, now I no longer have your full attention. I no longer have the whole of your heart. Your heart is in things. So listen to how this guy <laughs> responded. Because you remember he wanted eternal life. Huh? He wanted the treasure. But he was sad at this word. And went away sorrowful. For he had great possession. Did this guy get eternal life? Did he inherit eternal life? He came to Jesus and he says, Master, I want to inherit eternal life. What do I need? Jesus gave the commandments. He says, no, I have done all those. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Because Jesus can see what is in the heart. He could see that this guy's problem is he's so attached to things that it will be difficult for him to serve me. Let's separate him from things first so that he can know me first. And when he now gets blessings from me, now he knows it's me who prospers him. But if he thinks he's doing it on his own, let's see. Now this guy, he failed the test. He was sorrowful and went away for he had great possession. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astonished at his word. Jesus answered again and said, told them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. Why? Last week we were sharing with you about why God doesn't want, God is a jealous God, he doesn't want competition. He wants you to love him as the only number one in your life. Okay? So if there are things that compete with God, it will be very difficult for you to serve God wholeheartedly. Because when actually when people worship idols, we usually say, I will never worship idols. I will never worship other gods. But whatever you make number one in your life is your God. Because God is supposed to be number one. So it means whatever is number one in your life becomes your God. And God does not like that. That's why he says it will be hard for those who trust in what they have. It will be hard for them to enter the kingdom. But if you can know that actually everything I have, I get it from him. I can even serve him with what I have. I can even use what I have to, to be a blessing in his kingdom. When we, so Elder, when you were encouraging us about giving, and you look at the condition of the hearts of those two brothers. So God, when he wants us to commit fully to him, it's not for his advantage. God can do it with or without us. But it is for our advantage. Okay? You remember the other time when Jesus wanted money, he could even get money from the mouth of a fish? It means God doesn't have a problem. He can do anything whichever way. But when he asks us to do something, count it as a privilege. That God is also counting on me to partake in his blessings. Now, sometimes the things that divide us. You see, Jesus gave the example of that guy who was attached to wealth. Do you know that sometimes things that divide us from God, it's even our relatives. Our people would treasure so much. Last week I gave you an example of some people who don't go to church because they have a visitor. If I was your visitor and I was not a Christian, and you treasure me more than God, then I would say this is not a God to follow. Because in, in other words, you feel I'm so important that instead of telling your visitor, visitor, here we go to church. You can go with us or if you don't go to church, we'll find you when we come back. Then you've made your story clear. Okay? But now if you're going to say, 
No, I mean I've got a visitor, Pastor. What message are you giving to that visitor? That you don't treasure what you're doing. Last week I gave you an example. I gave you two examples. I gave you one example of a certain religion who don't compromise. Okay? And I told you that even government had to agree that on Fridays we'll give you time. <laughs> because we, we just can't change you. And I gave you another example. I said, you remember I talked about the conviction that the late President Nelson Mandela had when he was sentenced and life imprisonment and all that. And I like the words that he spoke at the end when he said, it is an ideal for which I hope to live for and see realized. But my Lord, if needs be, it is an ideal for which I'm prepared to die. You can't take that person away from what they are believing. In other words, they are telling you, I'm stuck with this, do what you want. Do you sometimes treasure your Christianity like that? Because for some of you, easily trade your Christianity. Okay? Somebody comes and they want to give you chocho. They, they, they say, if you do this, you can, you can pay this and we'll sort it and, and, and this and this and this. You need to tell them, no, it doesn't work like that. Amen? <laughs> one time I was phoned by, I think this one, uh, Mr. Netanjani and uh, the, the <coughs> Mr. Netanjani and Mr. Mungupara knows about this one. I was phoned by somebody, he says he's a city official from the city of Cape Town. He, he knows that we are struggling to get the water and we don't have the water here. Uh, if, if, and he, the mistake he made, he started by saying pastor. <laughs> now he says, now he says, uh, uh, we, can, we can make a plan for you, pastor. If, if for 7,000, actually, you just pay the 7,000, we come and connect, and even when you want to build, it will be free water. <laughs> then I said, you just said I'm a pastor. <laughs> How do you think as a pastor I can do what you say? He said, no, this is, this is the way that we do things. This is how things are done. Even everybody else is doing it this way. Then I said, okay, if I do that, will the city of Cape Town then, will that 7,000 go to the city of Cape Town? Will they know? Is it an open thing then, if that's how we do things? Because then we, we need to make it open to them. He said, no, Pastor, it's, it's obviously not. It's obviously illegal. But, but, but we can do it because everybody's doing it. I said, but let me teach you that there are some people who don't do it. It was like a tug of war. But for me, it wasn't even a no-brainer. How do you call me? Somebody will come and say, they know you are a Christian, you go to church, and now they want to give you the thing on the side, and you buy it. Are you trading? You, you have already said to that person, Actually, this thing is more precious than what I have. You need to treasure what God has for you, that you protect it at all cost. You remember Joseph with the wife of Potiphar? Huh? Joseph did not, not sleep with the wife of Potiphar because he thought Potiphar would find him. No. She tried to entice Joseph until she grabbed him when they were just two. And Joseph said, how can I do such a sin before God? That's what makes the difference. When you find people unfaithful to each other, even in marriages, it's because you're doing it for her or for him. So when he's not there or she's not there, let me see if I can put all... By the way, I hear that some of you, even your phones have got pins that your wife cannot even see. <laughs> because then you can't just check things here. Okay? But if a person fears God, first, you've got it made. You don't need to chase them. They can go overseas where you don't even see them. Their God will go with them. Amen. And their conscience will be with them. So you are sorted. 
The problem with most of us is that we try to do things just for the person. So when the person is not there, you won't speak like Joseph and say, even if Potiphar is not here, how can I do such a sin before God? So when we talk about the cost of following Jesus, it means sometimes some of the things you will have to say, not, this is not for me. I'll get it the right way. I'll get it the Jesus way. I'm not going to compromise. But the way I said to you last week, some of the Christians, we actually compromise our Christianity that you find even when the weather is not good, sometimes you don't go to church. When sometimes you don't feel like praying. Sometimes you don't feel like giving. It's like, did you really receive the Lord that some of us have received? Did you really receive the treasure that some of us have received? Because if you really have this treasure, you need to say, this is above everything else. I'm not going to trade it for anything. And when I look at this, Luke chapter 14, 25 to 27, contemporary English version. Because to me this says, beside the wealth that might attract my attention away from God, even people around me. Even my mother and my father and my wife and everything. So Jesus is saying, let me be number one. Last week I told you that my wife said, she said when she was young, she said she's praying for God to give her a husband who loves God more than her. And I said that was the right priority. Amen. Because if, and this husband does. This husband loves God more than her. So if sometimes she wants to do things and she wants us to go that way, if you want me to choose between you and God, unfortunately my choice is clear. <laughs> Amen. It means we only go together if, we are, if you don't separate me from my God. And this is it. Luke 14, 25 to 27, contemporary English version. This is just for husbands and wives. Sometimes you find that maybe the husband or the wife, the other one is pulling back and it's casual and that. Keep on holding on to the Lord. They will come back. Amen. Don't join them into perdition. Large crowds were walking along with Jesus when he turned and said, you cannot be my disciples unless you love me more than you love your father and mother. Did you see that? He says you cannot be my disciple unless you love me more than you love your father and mother. More than you love your wife and children and your brothers and sisters. You cannot follow me unless you love me more than you love your own life. You see this is about laying down your life now. So he says, if you say you, want, you love me and you want to follow me, the whole of you must be committed to me. I'm a jealous God. I don't want you to have other things that keep you busy on the side. Verse 27. You cannot be my disciple unless you carry your own cross and follow me. So he wants us to carry our cross and follow him. In a way that, come what may, I'm not going to move. That's why he says, if you, don't love, if you love your, your life even more than me, you cannot be my disciple. Because it means sometimes you might be asked to choose between the Lord and your life. Like in some countries, I told you, people are persecuted for following Jesus. Some are even killed for being a Christian. Now for you, you are not even killed for being a Christian, but you still take your Christianity casually. Some people will really value what we have, the freedom that we have in our country, where you can believe God the way you want. Therefore, it doesn't disturb your Christianity. Believe God and do the best that you can with, with your God. Amen? Because others don't have that opportunity. So it says to you and I, if other people went before us, like you know even in the Bible, some people were even killed for the sake of the kingdom. And they stood their ground. Now, what is it that is attracting your attention from God in a way that you can trade the kingdom for other things? Look at with me in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, 1 to 4. In the Good News translation, it says, As for us, 
we have this large crowd of witnesses around us. In other words, he's talking about, he, in chapter 11, he's talking about people who went before us by faith. Now it says, these are the people. So then, let us rid ourselves of everything that gets in the way and of the sin which holds onto us so tightly and let us run with determination the race that lays before us. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. He did not give up because of the cross. On the contrary, because of the joy that was waiting for him, he thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross, and he is now seated at the right side of God's throne. Think of what he went through, how he put up with so much hatred from sinners. So do not let yourself become discouraged and give up. For if your struggle against sin... You have not yet, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet had to resist to the point of being killed. Amen. We were never asked that if you, we are going to kill you if you follow Jesus. I never had that trouble. Now the things that we are being challenged with, they are minor. And why are we stumbling? Why are we still losing it? And some of you actually started well. The day that, like we say, it was a happy day, happy day, when I was born again, born again. So it was a happy day. Can we keep it a happy day every day? That your excitement for God continues. Go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 24, 12 to 14 NIV. Matthew 24, 12 to 14 NIV says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. Did you see that? It says, because of sin increasing, the love of most will grow cold. Even in the times that we're living in. Do you know that some Christians... They've got a lot of excuse now because of Corona, even though Corona is not much there anymore. In other words, you had all the excuses. Hmm? It is the love of many growing cold. Because that excitement that you had, it's almost like, do you know this is common? When you, those of you who are married, okay, before you marry that one, you really loved her with everything and you couldn't spend time without her. Okay? But as days go by, the love is growing cold. In a way that now you fight each other. And the thing that we hear also more about gender-based violence and husbands and wives killing each other. It's people who once told each other they loved each other. Okay? So, similarly, in our relationship with God, sometimes you started very well. You were running very well. But now you get used to the things of God that it means nothing anymore. Your love grows cold. And look at this in the book of Revelation chapter 2, verse 3 to 7. Because God is not happy about that. Revelation 2, 3 to 7, Amplified Classic, it says, For I know you are enduring patiently and are bearing up for my name's sake. And you have not fainted or become exhausted or grown weary. So he was, he's saying, you are doing good. But I have this one charge to make against you. That you have left and abandoned the love that you had at first. You have deserted me, your first love. So he says, you loved me very much, but now things are starting to choke you. And now you don't love me the way that you did. Remember then from the height that you have fallen, repent. Change the inner man to meet God's will and do the works you, you did previously when you first knew the Lord. Or else I will visit and remove your lampstand from its place unless you change your mind and repent. Yet you have this in your favor and to your credit. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, what they are doing as corruptors of people, which I myself also detest. He who is able to hear, let him listen to and give heed to what the Spirit says to the assemblies, to the churches. To him who overcomes and is victorious, I will grant to eat the fruit of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Amen. He says to him who overcomes, I will give him to eat the fruit 
of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So this treasure is not only precious for now. It's also a treasure for eternity. So when you've got the kingdom, don't trade it for anything. Actually, in the last days, go with me to the book of 2 Timothy. Just need to pick some of these. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 to 5. You will see that the days we are living in, they are the last days. People are starting to treasure many other things more than the kingdom. 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5, NIV it says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, considered, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying his power, have nothing to do with such people. Did you see that? So it means in the last days, people will start loving many things. Whether it's the material things, whether it's the people that are close to us, you love them more than you love God and it becomes a problem. Because God wants to be number one in our lives. He wants to be the only God in our lives. Actually, what we do for God, go with me to the book of, I'm just giving you two examples and then we'll wind down with this and we'll pick it up next time. I want us to just look at David and look at Paul. How they treasured the kingdom of God. How they treasured God Above everything else. In the book of 2 Samuel 24, 24, NIV. I know Mr. Nathan, you like this one. 2 Samuel 24, 24, NIV, it reads. It was the time when David wanted to offer sacrifice to God. And he wanted the field of a gentleman called Arun now. When he went to him and said, I'm coming here. I want to buy this field and I also want to sacrifice in this field. So I'll buy it, make altar on it and also have my own cattle to sacrifice to my God. And Aruna said, no, you are the king. You can take the field for free. I can even avail the cattle for you to sacrifice. Listen to David's answer. But the king replied to Aruna, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. Did you see how David treasured God and what things that are for God? He says, you are offering me to give me this so that I can offer to God, but it will cost me nothing. I want to do something for God that I feel it costing me something because I treasure God more than even the things I have. So I insist. How many of you insist on paying? I mean, he says, I insist on paying. I want to pay you for it. Why? Because I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God. Bent offerings that cost me nothing. Now, some of you, you want to serve God out of convenience. You want to do things for God when it's suitable. When it costs you nothing, then you will do it. When you've got a bit of time left, then you will do it. When you've got a bit of money left, some change, then you will do it. It means the kingdom is not first in you. It's not first in your life. Now, let's conclude with uh, Paul. We'll pick it up again next time. Paul, and if time permits, we can do Paul and then Martha or just Paul. We'll see how far it goes. 
Let's go to the book of Philippians chapter 3. Verse 7 to 14 in the New Living Translation. I want you to look at how Paul valued the things of the world compared to the treasure of knowing Christ. Paul was successful in worldly terms. He was well learned. You remember the other time he was boasting. He said, I learned, I, I was taught under Gamaliel. I'm actually a Roman citizen. Sometimes he would talk about a lot of things that says he was a, 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 a guy of status in the community. He could have hung on to that. You remember even when he used to persecute Christians? When Stephen was killed, Paul was still called Saul. And so he was an influential man. But listen, once he accepted Christ and started, he had an encounter with the Lord. That's why they, sometimes when some of you are not serious, maybe it's because you didn't really have an encounter with the Lord. But if you do have an encounter with the Lord, then you will speak like Paul. Listen to this. Philippians 3, 7 to 14 NLT. He says, I once thought these things were valuable. So there was a time when I valued these things. The Bible says the, 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 the Gentiles seek after things. So he says, I once thought these things were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. In other words, now there is Christ. Those things that were once valuable is because they were valuable because there was no Christ. Once Christ came into the scene, Christ became number one. And says, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. You see that? So he looked at all these things and said, but if it comes to comparing this with Christ, Christ is number one. And become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became righteous through the faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him. Sharing in his death. You see how much committed he was? He says, even if it means suffering with him, even if it means sharing in his death, I'm prepared for that. So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. Or that I've already reached perfection. But I press on. How many of you are pressing on? Can we say I press on? Press on. Amen. When you press on, it's not easy and light in front of you. But you push your way like the woman with the issue of blood who pushed in the crowd and said, if I can touch his garment, I will be made whole. She knew what she wanted. He says, I press on to possess that perfection for which Jesus Christ first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling you. I like this. I like this treasure because the treasure is not only helping me in this life. It's not helping me only to live in divine health, to be protected, to live in peace, joy, all the things. But it's also a treasure where I will get a crown one day. Where the Lord will come back and say, well done, you good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little, come and rule over much. The Lord is coming back. And I want him to, to, to say to me, well done, you good and faithful servant. By the way, the Bible doesn't say, well done, you busy servant. It's you good and faithful. So you need to remain faithful to the assignment. You need to stick to the assignment and don't allow things on the side to take your attention away from God. There are many things that sometimes would take attention away from God that would take our attention. Many things that would squeeze our love for God. And let's weed them off. 
Then let me land with Mark 4 then, 18 to 19, because I need to just put this one, because it fits with what I just said now. Mark 4, 18 to 19, NIV. So Jesus is talking about a group. Last week I told you about the groups of people. That when the seed is sown, some is like among, fall on the wayside, some on rocky ground, some among thorns, and some on good soil. Even now as I'm ministering, you are receiving the word in one of the four ways. For some of you, it's by the wayside. The best get it even before the service is over. Don't get it. Remember last week I said, some of you, you will only catch the joke. The rest of the word you don't know. It means the word was stolen immediately. The other group, he says, there, there are those who are like on rocky grounds. So the word, the, 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 the soil is not well prepared. So the seed will germinate, but it will not have root. It will not go deep. So when troubles and challenges come, they give up. How many times did you find Christians saying, this thing is not working? And they are giving up because they don't have roots. So you need to have roots. You need to be rooted in this word. But I told you about this interesting one, and this is the one that I'm landing with today. It's the one among thorns. I told you that the seed that is sown among thorns, it germinates, it doesn't die. It grows, it doesn't die. It's just that it's very thin. Among weeds. Have you seen things among weeds? The reason why we take off weeds is not because we think this plant will die. It's because we know it will not bear any fruit. And I told you that it's almost like a Christian who's there. You really don't give up. You don't go back to the world, but no fruit. And what causes that? We learned with Mark 4, 18 and 19, NIV. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the way. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So it means many of these things, they will come and they will choke that word, and you will bear no fruit. You won't necessarily quit and leave Christ but you will be a fruitless Christian. Okay? So if we want to bear fruit, what must we do? Take off the weeds. Amen. Tell your neighbor, take off the weeds. Amen. And can we stand up and thank God for the word that we've heard? And if there are some weeds that you need to take out, confess to God. Lord, forgive me. This has been taking my attention away from you. This has been becoming number one in my life. You know. You don't need somebody to tell you. You know what is number one in your life. And by the way, even what you love most, the Jesus says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So if I, like, I love the kingdom of God, you will find I'm always thinking about the kingdom of God. When it's weekend, I think about the kingdom of God. When it's weekend, other people think about other places. Because that's where their treasure is. When I get money, I think about the kingdom of God. That's why you will see God in my budget. But when you have other things beyond God, beside God, then those things occupy first place. And you don't have space for God. The weeds, the thoughts choke that way. And it becomes unfruitful. So let's thank God for the word that we've had. And if there are some weeds that you need to repent on, tell God about it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We give you praise. We give you glory. Thank you, my Father, for your word. Thank you, my Father, for your faithfulness.